0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. Thank you so much for being here. Um, So our guest today is Anne Andre. She's a local instructor here in Ohio, and um, actually my restorative teacher. Uh, So I actually, I was attending a restorative yoga teacher training right before our lockdown here um, in back in March. And we kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, So Anne, over her... 13 years plus of teaching combines a number of modalities that she has within her toolbox to assist clients in their own healing process. So I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll see you guys on the other side. So good afternoon, Anne. So thanks again for uh, taking the time today. And as um, just to the listeners, we were just kind of chatting a little bit beforehand about just podcasting in general and um, uh, just just the way we sound and everything, and the way we present ourselves online. I guess it would be the persona in a way. Um, but anyway, so my <laughs> my guest today is Anne Andre, and. Uh, I would love to just kind of have. Um, I'm going to actually introduce you in a way of how I met you. Um, I think honestly, it might have been the last in person uh, training of any kind that I did because um, if I remember correctly, the restorative yoga teacher training was like supposed to happen in March, and the first one did. Um, it happened. At the beginning, like then maybe the second weekend of March, because I think I just got back from a vacation, and we just kind of heard bits and pieces of this virus thing that was happening on the West Coast, and I'm like, oh, it's not gonna, nothing's gonna, <laughs> nothing's gonna happen. Like whatever, you know, we always hear these these kind of these stories about these things inhabiting our our country or maybe just the Earth in general somewhere. Um, and you never think how much of an impact that's going to make on your day to day, and um, you know that was that training. And then I think we kind of uh, had to turn some assignments in, but then there was a couple <laughs> couple weeks in there where we uh, were like, okay, well, what are we what are we doing here? <laughs> What's going on? But yeah, that was the last part of that training, and then we ended up finishing it back. Um, I think it went August, the beginning mm-hmm. of August, or something like that. Wow, it's, <laughs> it's been a wild ride. <laughs> um, but anyway, so beyond that, I would love to have the listeners just kind of learn about, um, you know, just telling you, telling them about yourself um, and your journey with with yoga in general.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Laura. Yeah. I'm a big potter, so it's yeah fun to be. <laughs> Uh, on a podcast. I came to yoga in my mid 40s. So about 15 years ago. And I had a middle schooler and I had a high schooler. And I had a 20 year career in nonprofit administration as a, a master's in social work. And I was feeling burnt out. And I didn't really have the language for what I was feeling, but I knew that something was missing. Yeah. I knew that I was a little unsettled. Um, And my mother, who just passed away in January at age 100, not a Wow.
0: Awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, but amazing.
1: Yeah. And she was active and living in her own apartment until two and a half months before she died. Wow. So short illness. She did yoga in the 60s for a while. And she had BKS Iyengar's book in our house. Mm-hmm. And I used to look at that book. I remember especially all the really um, what we would consider exotic Kriya practices, <laughs> like swallowing the rags and throwing them back up. Mm-hmm. I look, I remember as a kid looking at those and thinking, what is this stuff? So yoga was always sort of lurking in my consciousness. I took a class in college, but the and I felt really great that night. I would sleep, but it always had, and then I took a class in my thirties, but the teachers were always kind of it, it, yeah, you know, otherworldly. And, you know, it, yeah. yoga wasn't there on every corner, like it's become. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was much more exotic. And a lot of the people could put their foot behind their head and I'm not particularly hypermobile. So I didn't, the typical thing that people say when you tell them about yoga, well, I'm not a pretzel, so I can't do yoga. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with yoga. But then I ended up finding a a class at the Sophia Center at Ursuline College, which no Mm -hmm. longer exists, but was a wonderful, wonderful wellness spirituality center. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing that's remaining from that is that the labyrinth is still there. They have a um, concrete labyrinth. So if I'm in that neighborhood, I go walk the labyrinth. And then that was the beginning. Wow.
0: So what did that practice look like for you? Was it was it like a, uh, was it vinyasa? Was it restorative or some kind what of is, mix in between?
1: Yeah, garden variety hatha, you know, breathing and, and movement. And it was once a week and then it was, oh, this isn't enough. And so then I I found evolution yoga on the east side and I started okay. going there three times a week. And it just kept mushrooming out. I just would like to do more. and would like to do more. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of how a lot of those kind of journeys begin. Like you find yourself in this like stressed out mode. And uh, you're like, how do, you, how do you deal with this? And then, you know, something just, you always end up kind of stumbling into it. It's almost like you just kind of like, you open up the window and it's just, you know, something that just appears, it's just there, the universe provides it to us. Um, you know, and we, we've talked about this in the past and you, you know, you had these stressors, you had, um, things that were going on in your life. Um, and even up until around the time of uh, COVID, um, there were that we probably you and I are probably similar in that fashion where we're just like oh yeah we're doing yoga so everything's fine you know we're all we're all stress-free and carefree and everything but then you realize that um not so much and I think a lot of the guests that I've had on so far kind of come into the same (laughs) the same boat uh, or at least the same ocean we're all in that same ocean where we realized that this was a time that we needed to kind of chill out back up and slow down in a way. Um so restorative yoga specifically because obviously you were my my teacher for that. Um so it offers us this experience of rest and healing and promotes um the self-care that we desperately need. Um so how do you how do you f- specifically find this practice?
1: Well, as I moved along in yoga my uh areas of interest became uh restorative chair and anatomy. Mm. which are more related than one might think. Yeah, yeah. Because restorative is actually a very anatomically-based practice, as as is chair. All yoga is anatomically-based, anything yeah. that involves movement and breathing is. Mm-hmm. But I started attending uh, a yoga workshop in Yellow Springs, Ohio, mm-hmm. that Judith Lassiter led every year. Mm-hmm. And she would do restorative after lunch. And I would think, oh, (laughs) nice. What is this? Exactly. And I was so intrigued that then I went and took her, you know, basic training in New York City. It's a five-day training. And there were 40 of us jammed into a room of a studio that no longer exists. And there was no music or, but by the end of the week, when you're in restorative you don't hear the ambulance. You hear the ambulances going outside because it was May the windows were open. Ambulances in New York City and ambient noise, but you don't really notice it. It doesn't actually bother you because you've been doing so much restorative for a whole week that you're in your parasympathetic nervous system. So then I went and did my advanced with Judith in San Francisco. And she is our queen of restorative yoga in the United States. (laughs) And then I started my own restorative yoga teacher training and call it sacred calm.
0: Yeah. And that's just a perfect name for that. I believe it's, it embodies what it is exactly what it well, is. Well, I have
1: to tell you, the name came from Allison McGarry. Allison <laughs> is a yoga teacher um, who I taught with at Awaken Yoga. Mm-hmm. And she, I had her in restorative yoga training and she was teaching a class. And it was one of those days in January where a lot of people could come and she had this huge enrollment. So I said, Hey, you want me to come and assist you and help? So she was teaching this beautiful class, and we probably had 20 people, 15 or 20 people in the room, big room of restorative. And at one point, she's talking and she starts talking about sacred calm as everyone's in their restorative pose. And it just boom. <laughs> After class, I said, Can I use that? And she said, Sure. But Allison's the one that came up with that language. And to me, you're right. It just encapsulates what the experience of being in a restorative pose when you're fully supported and propped that you drop down into sacred calm yeah yeah
0: exactly oh man um so i know we we talked earlier about this and this was kind of like back when we were kind of exchanging emails like last month or so um too um you had uh gone on a trip um at some point when you actually went to was it to india
1: yeah um One that of, you had gone to india Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and that kind of was like one of those, um, kind of breaking points where you'd kind of discovered that, um, that maybe the self-care you thought you were doing wasn't really as much as you expect or much as it was, I guess you could say. Um, so would
1: you mind talking a little bit about that a little bit? I'd be happy to. I actually have written an article about Mm. this called, uh, how a Catholic girl went to India and found her soul. And that's going to be in an anthology that's going to be published in May uh, of all women authors called Birthing Ourselves into Light. Uh, So I don't want to give it all away uh, of that essay. But, you know, I started teaching and I pretty quickly was up to like 14 classes a week. And then I started doing workshops. And then I started leading trainings and doing anatomy and restorative and chair modules. And then I got trained as a fascial stretcher and I started expanding my private client business. And everything just kept growing and growing and growing. So I went to India for three weeks on a chanting pilgrimage with Russell Paul, who wrote The Yoga of Sound. And it was a very profound experience. And when I came home, about three months after I got home, I became ill. And I came back from that three week period of deep meditation and chanting and rest, and I went back to the life that I knew of running around like a chicken with my head cut off, supposedly teaching everybody else self care and not attending to my own. And my body just said, No, not gonna do it. And I had a big crash. Yeah. So, and I thought I'd learned that lesson, but of course, when COVID started, after about five days into COVID of not being home and not working. I realized I'm so tired. Didn't have any idea how tired I was. So it's a lesson that I apparently have to relearn on a regular basis: is how to attend to my own self care. But COVID has really helped. Yeah, absolutely. I I can understand something that this uh, event has caused, but this. You know, Judith Lasseter says that we should practice the same amount that we teach at a bare minimum. So, if you aren't practicing as much as you're teaching, you've got an imbalance. And you really should be practicing a lot more than you're teaching, which I can genuinely say now I'm doing in spades. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's I'm like one of the things.
1: Online. I still leave workshops and trainings online, but compared to what I was doing before, and I'm just seeing some private clients online, but pr- compared to my schedule before, I am practicing three times, four times as much as I'm teaching or. Oh.
0: That's awesome. that's yeah, that's awesome. So that kind of leads into the next question. You might have already kind of answered it. So, um how does that that the healing apply um, to your day to day? like what are you what are your self practices look
1: like? Well, the day-to-day issue is, if you are practicing, it doesn't work, <laughs> <laughs> which is why we call yoga a practice. It's mm-hmm. self-evident, but our ego finds a way to work around that. And I remember one time being at some kind of a workshop, and it had been a pretty active movement asana practice. And we were discussing, afterwards, there was a little gathering, and a couple of the teachers were talking about how they will avoid meditation at all costs. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting, isn't that interesting? You know, that getting quiet, so the quiet peace, But in the in the day to day i think one of the most important pieces is referring back to yourself and not in a narcissistic egotistical way but you know bull forbes who's a psychologist and a yoga teacher mm-hmm. has written a wonderful book called emotional a yoga for emotional balance calls it that check in mm-hmm. and you know when i teach i'm very focused on on the check in and making sure yes. that you use the check in with your students with is which is notice the mind speed how are your thoughts Are they busy? Are they medium? Are they, are you sleepy? Um, How's your mood? What are your body sensations so that you're always checking in? And so when you're teaching, you're always checking in and then moving out, but you're not moving out without checking in. Yeah. So that day-to-day experience with restorative yoga is where's my nervous system at in this moment? Because restorative yoga is a nervous system practice. So it's noticing what's going on with your nervous system. So you have, a life stressor, you have grief, you have COVID, you have financial issues, whatever it is, you're noticing how is this affecting my nervous system or an individual person in a relationship or someone that triggers you. Notice, you know, what's my nervous system doing? It's so hard to remember in the moment. Yeah. Because in sure. the moment, you go, <laughs> Yep,
0: exactly. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's so true. I I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're every day we're learning something new about what our practice might entail. And um, I think COVID has taught us a lot of lessons for sure uh, within that. So kind of speaking along the lines of that to kind of wrap up our conversation. um, So thinking back, maybe not that far, maybe just, maybe yesterday for all I know, Uh, what do you feel is the most valuable lesson that you've learned during the 2020 pandemic or maybe 2021? Maybe there's something that happened recently too.
1: Well, once again, that I thought I was practicing enough, but I wasn't. And not in a Western Pitta kind of, I need to do more thing, which is what January is usually all about. You know, because, but in a very... Compassionate, non judgmental way. So that by observing ourselves and being present to ourselves in the moment and feeling, sensing what we need in this moment, that then we can access our power. And Some of the, one of the tools I do want to mention that's been really helpful to me is sound meditation. There's a company that's called I Awake. Mm -hmm. I-A-W-A-K-E. And I use that. I feel that that's a very good down regulator. There are lots of apps and things online, but they have a weekly meditation on Wednesdays and they have some free materials on their app. But so much of what we're learning about the brain that it's really an issue of shifting your brain state. And that we're these samskaras that these ancient sages discovered actually now has science behind it. Mm-hmm. That our brain gets stuck in these ruts, these samskaras, these patterns. And if you're going to get out of those patterns, you've got to shift your state. The way you look at something, the way you are, affects your experience and what you see. So to change your experience and what you see, you have to change you. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. We actually just had, I I just interviewed actually the week that this week that um, the episode that was just released um, I spoke to Christina uh, Grosick who does, she actually just moved out of the Cleveland area, but she was um, with, she kind of uh, does a lot of sound, sound work, uh, sound healing. And uh, she has, she's part of a kind of collective called the the going home collective. Mm, Um, Yeah. Isn't it kind of cute. Yeah. I love the name of it, but um, yeah. So she, she actually just put together a documentary too, that has a lot to do with uh, just sound and different elements and how it affects even animals minds. And uh, you know, so that'd be a good episode to listen to if you haven't listened to that. Um, It's the power of chanting,
1: which we we sort of, some people, practice kirtan and chanting, but just chanting as a daily practice. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on here, Anne, and just kind of talking up to us about your self-care practices, restorative yoga. Um, So yeah, I really appreciate your time and energy that you've supplied here today. And um, I wish you a very wonderful rest of your weekend uh, and rest of your week. Um, So thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Have a see. Hopefully I'll get to see you soon. I hope so. (laughs) All right. Take it easy. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. Tune in again next week and be well, my friends.